So we'll be speaking from Hebrew or Hebrews. <laughs> Proverbs three, thank you. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for this Shabbat. Thank you for the feast of Sukkot. Thank you that we can gather together in your name and be in your presence and learn more about you to draw closer to you and be uh, vessels of honor to others that we'd go from this place and be a blessing always every day of our lives in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs we'll begin in verse 1 of 3 chapter 3 and uh, you know we'll, we'll look at some other scriptures of course my son don't forget my teaching keep all or keep my commands in your heart excuse me for they will add to you many days years of life and peace do not let grace and truth leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart then you will win favor and esteem in the sight of God and of people notice in those first five verses the word heart is mentioned three times and we generally realize when something is mentioned that often that close together that is something Yahweh wants us to focus in on the heart Jeremiah in chapter 17 tells us that the heart above all above all else is a wicked thing it's very deceitful our heart Yeshua said out of the abundance of our heart the mouth speaks so let's go now to Deuteronomy 6. And you, you read it a little earlier about the Shema, chapter 6, 4 through 9. If somebody wants to shout it out, 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Amen. Thank you. Let's go to Deuteronomy 11. It's a similar passage. Verse 15 uh, through 20. 21. Yeah, 21. Who would like to read that or shout it out? Shout it from send, the rooftops. I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, and there will be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from all the good land which the Lord giveth you. Amen. Thank you. So we see here the importance of getting the word in our heart, hiding the word in our heart. Jeremiah prophesied in the last days that he will write the Torah on our hearts and our minds. We began this proverb with, you know, remember them, keep them hid in your heart. Because if our heart is above all else a wicked thing, 
and we hear this term, follow your heart, what's going to happen if we follow our heart, if it's not circumcised? Yeah. And so when we bind these words and we follow these words, we're now leading our heart to do the right thing. And it's important that we lead our heart to not follow our heart. There's a song by Rich Mullins that says, The Maker of Noses. That's the title of the song. And his, the beginning of the song, he was looking for a place that was ideal, that there was no poverty, no sickness, no discrimination, that everything was perfect. But he was asking people, where can we find such a place? And of course, nobody knew. And then he said, when he turned to the world and asked them, they said, well, follow your heart. They said, well, that only led me to, into my chest. He said, you know, if you follow your nose, says, the direction changed every time I turned my head. Follow your dreams, and he says, those were just mystic notions. He said, what I am going to do is follow the maker or the father of hearts, the maker of noses, and the giver of dreams. That's who I choose to follow. And we know that the word is what we choose to follow. And we, you know, when we study the scriptures and get the word hid in our heart and we begin to walk them out and we're going to learn as we go, we're never going to do it perfect. That's why we need Yeshua to help us to do it, do it right, to help us to understand that if I lean to my own understanding, which we'll read here in a minute, I'm going to find myself in trouble. Maybe not real serious trouble, but trouble nonetheless. So let's go back to uh, Proverbs 3. Verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Once again, with all your heart. Remember, what is it? We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Um, do not rely on your own understanding or do not lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will level your paths. In different translations, make your path straight, whatever. But when we... You know, follow Him with our heart. Let Him lead our heart. Trust Him. And I know that's an ongoing day-to-day uh, -day thing in our lives because of understanding what trust really means. Because how do we build trust in relationships? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. What else? Consistency. Consistency. What, I, what over here? Communication. Communication. Spending time? Yeah, you know, and how do we build that trust if we're not going to uh, obey His Word? And we know fear is a real thing, right? But what's the opposite of fear? Faith. And if we don't do it in faith, then we sin. So we need to uh, do this all in faith as well. And He gave each one of us a measure of faith. Every man, every woman, every child, God has given us all a measure of faith. And that is to help. We need to exercise that and build that faith, build that trust, so that when he tells us to do something that in our own mind it, it seems like, that's no, I can't do that. Uh, I can't do that. He says, yeah, you can't because I'm with you. Just follow me. Uh, he goes on to say, verse 7, Don't be conceited about your own wisdom, but fear Adonai and turn from evil. This will bring health to your body and give strength to your bones. Well, I could use that now. Um, but fear out of night, there's that word. Once again, that fear word, you know, how we uh, apply it to Yahweh. How do we fear Him 
versus the human emotion of fear. It's two different things. We do know that he could strike us down at any given moment, right? We've seen what he's done in the history of mankind. You know, bringing him out of Egypt, what he did to bring him out of Egypt, what he did with him in the wilderness, what we've seen God do throughout, uh, man, like I say, throughout the history of mankind, good, bad, or indifferent. We know that God always, whatever he does, it is always for our good, even though at times we don't recognize it as good. But fearing having that right reverential awe, understanding, yes, he will discipline us. And we need to be thankful that he does discipline us because that tells us that we are his sons, his daughters. And that's where the word comes in once again. The word will direct us. It will also correct us if we need it to get us back in the right direction. And it's like I've mentioned many times to other people, you know, the, the living word became the written word so that in the written word we could meet the living word. And it's, you know, that relationship, once again, that intimacy, you know, and this is a time during the seven days, the feast days, and then the eighth day is a time to, if you can, just to spend some time with him one-on-one. -on -one. You know, just that alone time is very important in our relationship with him and with each other as well. Because whatever you do in private will be uh, revealed in the public. This will, okay, verse 7. Honor Adonai with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your income. Then your granaries will be filled and your vats overflow with new wine. You know, I was thinking about that because, you know, some of the struggles we have with that term first fruits, how do we determine first fruits? You know, when you got a crop of oranges, what is the first fruits of the oranges? Were you out there when they began to ripen, whatever, or do you just. Whatever you pick first, is that your first fruit? But what about if we understand, you know, income, the first fruits of our income? The thing here that I was noticing is honor the Lord your God with all your wealth, not just first fruits, not just the 10%, but all your wealth. And wealth is more than just money and possessions. You know, God's wealth deals with relationships, health, deals with uh, wisdom. We've talked about that two nights ago when Gabe taught on wisdom. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, mental, emotional stability. You know, learning how to handle the finances that God gives you, honoring Him with those and not squandering it, if you will. It's more than just that first portion. It's all our wealth. And it's all our relationships, honoring each other. And, you know, that's one thing I appreciate about all of you. You do honor each other. You do honor us. You, you're, I have not been amongst a bunch of people that haven't honored as well as you all do. So I really appreciate that. just want to commend you on that. Uh, your granaries will be filled, you know. That's where they store the wheat, the barley, whatever, sustenance. You'll have plenty to eat. You won't go hungry. In uh, your wine, your vats with new wine, and, and remember what he told him: if you, if you obey me, if you shema me, and you do these things, I will provide rain in the right season, the autumn rains and the spring rains, that you may gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil, and I will provide grass for your cattle, and you shall eat and be satisfied. 
but do not turn and serve and worship other gods, for then I will shut up the skies, and there will be no rain, and your, your land will yield no produce, and you will quickly perish from the good land which I give you. So we know that God's heart is to provide for us, to guide us, to direct us, to be the Father of lights, the Father of blessings. But there's our part in it, in that loving Him, not because we can get, but because we can give to those who are in need. You know, many messages that I've heard on tithing, the reason why you're poor, busted, broke, and disgusted is because you're not tithing. If you start tithing, God will give you and I have no doubt about that but it's always based on what I get out of the deal when we, we should have the mentality that I want to I want to be able to give more I want to be blessed so that I can give not just to keep it for myself I want to be able to give and keep it rolling let others know how good our God is how gracious he is how loving he is how sovereign he is how awesome he is how magnificent he is just because of his love for all mankind no matter what we've done he loves us unconditionally even the worst of the worst that we might in our mind's eye think is the worst of worst and god cannot love them god cannot forgive them but then that means there's something greater than god then if that's truth god forgives everything but it takes us to repent it takes us to say forgive me for i have sinned and i want to turn back to your ways show me your ways in Psalms 119, it says, It was good for me to be afflicted, for then it caused me to turn back to you. So, once again, God is always about relationship, always about drawing us closer to Him, helping each other, drawing closer to each other as well. It's not just about um, getting, you know, and, and showing off, but it's about honor. My son, verse 11, don't despise Adonai's discipline or resent his reproof. Hebrews 12 talks about God's discipline. It goes in great detail about his discipline and how he loves us and how he provides for us through the discipline. And it's because, once again, that love. And we know that God is a God of love. He is love. And how many here understand what that means? How many of you appreciate his love? love for each other love for even a stranger even someone who has uh, betrayed you your enemy now i know that's a challenge because if i ask you how many of you love the lord your god how many of you would raise your hands yeah well should be a hundred percent the rest of you we'll, we'll we'll keep we have a prayer call later how many of you love your neighbor as yourself Notice there's not as many hands. <laughs> and then love your neighbor or love your enemy. Oh, looky there. See how the, the, the hands diminish when you go from loving God, loving your neighbor, loving your enemy. But he tells us to love our enemies. For in doing so, will he be on you know, guilt, if you will. And even in the Torah, it tells us if you see your enemy's donkey burdened down with a load and can't get back up help them get that donkey back up that beast of burden back up and who knows as you're offering that act of kindness how that friend or that enemy will become your friend just an act of kindness can go a long ways 
F. I'm sorry. Just want to add to that. Um, you know, loving your enemy is, is definitely uh, God's power. But you know, I found that <coughs> you know I'm able to pray for those mm -hmm. people. Amen. And that's not that's not out of me because I don't want to do that. But God will enable us. Amen. Who are willing to pray for their well-being, even though they are excuse uh, me hard against. Them. Amen. That's good. Yeah, being willing to pray for others because it's amazing when we pray for those people. Not only what it'll do for them, but what it'll do for us. It softens our heart because we know we don't want a hard heart. Ezekiel says, you know, remove that hard, stony heart. And give you a heart of flesh. That term flesh, a lot of people squabble, but it means a tender heart. Malleable, pliable, allowing God to work it for his purpose. He goes on to say for uh, verse 12, For Adonai corrects those he loves, like a father who delights in his son. Once again, if you go and study Hebrews 12, you'll feel more in-depth on these verses. Now, these next few verses is kind of interesting because of uh, the, you know, what we learned Wednesday night about Yeshua and wisdom, but here when it talks about wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is personified as feminine. And it kind of, wait a minute here, that's kind of contradictory, is it not, in our mind's eye, in, in the natural? But God always knows what he's talking about, but let's see uh, what it says, and just to maybe help bring some of that connection. Because we know, we read there in Corinthians, that Yeshua is our wisdom, is he not? Mm -hmm. And how many of us would be here if it wasn't for him? Mm -hmm. no. But he goes on to say, Happy is the person who finds wisdom, the person who acquires understanding, for her profit exceeds that of silver. Gaining her is better than gold. She is more precious than pearls. Nothing you want can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, riches and honor in her left. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who grasp her. Whoever holds fast to her will make, will be made happy. So what are your thoughts there? Why do you think it, now it's, and you'll see that in other Proverbs as well, where these things are personified as feminine versus masculine? Any thoughts? Reminds me of our wives. Yeah. Right. And what did Ab or what did God tell Abraham one time? Listen to her. <laughs> but it does. It reminds us in uh, that personification, that personal intimacy once again, drawing closer in these because uh, the importance was how valuable knowledge, understanding, wisdom discernment are in God's eyes compared to gold, silver, and pearls. And we know in, in these days they were very, that was your, your finest. Unlike today, there are other metals that are even more precious. But think about what it takes to get pure gold. Pure silver, the heat. What does it take to create a pearl? Pressure. Pressure. Yeah, irritation. And it's just constantly being turned over in the, the oyster's mouth and even when you go to get that pearl out you got to dig deep in there it's not just right there on the tip of the tongue if you will 
you got to dig for it because it's down in there. And think about it, it starts with just a grain of sand to create a pearl. But he's showing us here that these things are more valuable and how valuable is your spouse to you? How valuable is uh, the feminine and the masculine working together in the kingdom of God? We need each other. We cannot do this alone, nor was we meant to. He goes on to say in verse 19 now, well, tree of life, we know where that, where's the first time we see the tree of life mentioned? Yeah. And then what happened? They ate from what's tree. <laughs> And then Yahweh did a remarkable thing to protect mankind then. Once they ate from that tree, what did he do? Yeah. Yeah. And then what else did he do after that? Cursed each one of them. Yeah. But what else? Clothed them with the skins from the Yeah, did an offering without shedding of blood. There's no remission. What else, though? There's something he did to keep us from going back to the tree of life at that point in time. Exiled. Yeah, the, the cherubim, the angels. Because what would have happened if they would have went back in and ate from the tree of life? We would have been in that state forever. He had to keep them from eating from the tree of life because of what the principle of the tree of life was. Now we know the tree of life is Yeshua, so we had to ban that so that in the right time, at the right in history, Yeshua came and we know he's a tree of life and we want to partake from him. That's why he shed his blood for us, why we have been redeemed because of what he did for us, laying his life down for us. You know, and you know, a lot of people, you know, the world looks at it like, well, that's foolishness. But remember what we read the other night, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Lean not to our own understanding because God knows what needs to be done. And he knew what was going to happen from day one. Even before the foundation of the earth was laid, we'd be here tonight. He knew that. So sometimes I hear people say, well, because they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God had to come up with plan B. It's like, no. He knew. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. All right, so now we go into verse 19. Adonai, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep, excuse me, the deep springs burst open. And the dew condenses from the sky. And we know there in Colossians, it tells us that Yeshua was there in the beginning and Creation was created through him. Created by him, through him, and for him. So he's he was there at the beginning as well. But how important are the, the dew? Remember, in the beginning, that was the only way the earth was watered was dew. It wasn't until the flood that things changed. But there, there was a dew... You, Probably there a few times, Gabe and Uganda, you'd wake up in the morning, you'd see dew out on the ground. Did you see that a lot there? We, where we were, we would. And it was so refreshing. 
wasn't good for the cars because as soon as the traffic started, they become all red, dust, dirt. But you know, it watered the plants because you know they're trees. It was part of how they were being uh, taken care of was that dew. And we know that uh, what is it? Psalms, I think it's one thirty-three, where when Aaron was anointed and that oil ran down his beard, it was like dew and it ran down to his foot. Just that refreshing, that newness. It's a symbol of newness once again. Uh, we're about done. Uh, verse 21. My son, don't let these slip from your sight. Now this is interesting. Preserve common sense and discretion. How many uses that term uh, common sense here? In verse uh, 21 in the different translations. If somebody else has Mine's, uh, sound judgment. Sound judgment, okay. My sound wisdom. Yeah. <coughs> Although there is something about common sense. It's not so common. <laughs> That's <It's> right. <laughs> One of the times when we were there in Uganda, we met a lady who was a Catholic, and she was raising her nephew because the nephew's parents had died, and actually the grandmother was responsible, but grandmother could not raise this child so the the nephew he's about 17 at the time um, grew up in the Catholic Church but over there they have this term called born again and you know born again to them is you know you're truly a Christian now Catholic Muslim Protestants are all grouped together they're not they're just religions but he got born again and he believed he was called to preach and she was going beside herself because he would lock himself in his bedroom for days on end, fasting, praying, da 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 da, you know, waiting for that call of God to go preach. And she was just concerned about him. Went to the pastor of the church to see, well, can you at least get him out to like sit up chairs in the church? Do something around the church to get him active instead of doing that. And the, the young man said, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm not going to do anything. And he, first of all, I made a mistake there. You know, I, I began setting up chairs, and I still set up chairs today. So, you know, that's part of being a servant. But she said, I don't know what happens to these Pentecostals. They lose their mind and all common sense once they get born again. And based on that experience and what you would see sometimes in Uganda, I can agree with that. You know, I couldn't dispute that because that's what people would do. They would, oh, you know, a lot of men would hang out at church waiting to go on the next mission. In the meantime, they're not providing food at home because they're hanging out at the church. That's just what they do. And so, you know, that sound judgment comes to play in just everyday life. You know, making right choices, right decisions for you, your family, for the congregation, your work, whatever you you're in, uh, endeavored in that day. Uh, they will be life for your being and grace for your neck. And you know, earlier mentioned grace and truth around the neck. You know, it's there to adorn you. You know, when something's hanging around your neck, it's talking like, I want this to adorn you. You know, uh, let grace, let your life be adorned with grace. Let your life be adorned with truth. Let people be drawn to that beauty. 
not, you know, if you got a six pack ab or, you know, lots of muscles, I'm not against, you know, people working out. But, you know, how many of us have been around people that worship the holiness of beauty instead of the beauty of holiness? You know? Beauty is more important than holiness. But when we allow grace and truth to be around our neck, because remember, you know, it tells us, that, you know, I've heard this saying that the husband is the head of the household, but the wife is the neck. And the neck turns the head. <laughs> the husband is the head of the household, and, but the wife is the neck, and the neck turns the head. Now, a lot of your men are ready to stun me. <laughs> but there is some truth in that, you know. It's both. It's the husband and wife that direct the household. Right? And then there's always that, you know, it, the buck stops here, if you will. But, you know, we are, you know, when you become one, you know, how many of us could get around without our body if we just had our head and no body? What about if we were just walking around headless? You know, I did that the other day, that's why I fell. I wasn't paying attention, you know. But we need to, to understand that this is how God is, what he's implying this wisdom to. Let these two things adorn you, you know, besides wisdom and knowledge and understanding, sound judgment, grace and truth and all these things. Let these things guide your life. Let these things be hid in your heart. Walk in him because we will find them in his, in his word when we study the Torah, apply the Torah, and throughout the scripture, all the scriptures, when we apply all the scriptures in our lives, the ones, you know, that lead to life and not death, we want to lead to life, we can help lead others to life. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow the Messiah. But if I'm not following the Messiah, don't follow me. Uh, then you will walk, uh, verse 23, by the way. Then you will walk your way securely without hurting your foot. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, how many of you here would like a good night of sweet sleep? Well, here's your answer. Here you go, right here. <laughs> there is scripture that tells us, you know, if you want a good night's sleep, here's your answer. It comes back to the Word of God. It comes back to God, following His ways. you got a clear conscience. Now, one thing, you know, when you're having issues with health, or, you know, pain, it's kind of hard to sleep, even if you've got a clear conscience. That's one thing, but, you know, for the most part, how many of us, when we go to bed at night, the reason why we don't get a good night's sleep is our minds are going over something, you know, trying to figure something out, right? And then about 3 in the morning, you get this tap on the shoulder, get up, I want to talk to you. And you say, no. I don't want to. He says, all right. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you get up when he asks you to get up, you'll be glad you did. Amen. <laughs> and you'll make it through the day. Yeah. Okay, don't be, yeah. Verse 25. Don't be afraid of the sudden terror or don't be afraid of sudden terror or destruction caused by the wicked when it comes. For you can rely on Adonai. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. 
So we know in this world there are going to be those challenges. There is terror. There is, you know, things happen. Unfortunately, because of the the wickedness of mankind. Now, when he's talking about wicked, many times in the scriptures when it mentions wicked, he's talking about people who knew the truth, followed the truth, but then turned away and began to lean to their own understanding and no longer wants to obey God. And that's when he's talking about the wicked. That's who he's talking about because he knew it. They know the truth. They have walked it. They have given their life over to Yeshua. They have trusted him. And then for some reason down the road, they just wandered away. To God, that's wicked. Not somebody like Charles Manson, who in our eye, yeah, he was, he was evil. But according to scriptures, wicked people are the ones who knew God and turned away from God. Don't withhold good from someone in, entitled to it when you have in hand the power to do it. Don't tell your neighbor, go away, come another time. I'll give it to you tomorrow when you have it now. Remember, he, you know, in Torah it says, if you owe a, a person wages, pay it that day. Now today, you know, the pay scale and all that is different. There's nothing wrong with it. But other things, if you, you know, if somebody is in need, let's say they need a loaf of bread and you got a loaf of bread, oh, I'll come back tomorrow. Let's see what I have left. Remember the one prayer of the, the guy went to his neighbor house and banging on it at midnight, wanting some bread for his friend that came from a journey. And his friend said, go away. We are in bed here. The children and I were in bed together. Go away. But the friend kept beating the door. Until the friend finally got up and said, Okay, here's your bread. That's Mike's paraphrase. <laughs> but, you know, he had it, but he didn't want to be inconvenienced by getting up out of bed to give his friend in need a loaf of bread for a traveler. Because in that culture, in that history, when somebody came to your house, no matter what time of day it was, you would provide something for them some kind of food, something. And generally bread was a staple, just like every culture. Some kind of staple, some kind of bread. Don't plan harm against your neighbor who lives beside you trustingly. Don't quarrel with someone for no reason. If he has done you no harm. How many people just love to quarrel? And always going to be honest. Sometimes we don't realize we get in the quarrels and don't even realize that we're just be right. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute here. I shouldn't be quarreling. If he has done you no harm, don't envy a man of violence. Don't choose any of his ways, for the perverse is an abomination to Yahweh. So let God deal with these people. Pray for them, as Brian mentioned earlier. Pray for these people. Love them the best way you can, but let God deal with them. Because we are, how many of us understand we're to catch men? Fishers of men, right? How many of you try and clean those men? <laughs> <laughs> but it's God who is to clean us, not our job. He may say something through you, work through you to do it, but let God lead you into that but you know how in our good intentions 
You know, we want people, we're excited about our relationship with Yahweh. We want them to have that exciting relationship. We want them to know how good and marvelous He is. And so in our zealousness, we get a little pushy, maybe. And some people are known as Torah terrorists. And they begin to push things on people that actually push them away instead of just loving them. And let God do the work in them through that love. You'd be surprised what love will do if we just give it a chance. Uh, for the perverse is an abomination to Yahweh, but he shares his secret counsel with the upright. It's, he shares that secret counsel, that wisdom, that knowledge, that info, whatever it may be with the upright. He wants us to have those insights, those revelations. It is to the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is to the glory of kings to search it out. Yeshua said, nothing is to be hidden unless it is to be revealed. So there are things, and Paul mentioned the manifold wisdom of God. At one time was a mystery. Now it's been revealed. So there are things in his kingdom yet that he wants to reveal, but it's got to be the right time. He's just not going to blurt it, you know, on a signpost somewhere. But he's going to begin to speak more to his people about these deep things of God. Now, that don't mean he's going to, you know, you got to run out and blast it through the world. Ask God, when do you want me to share it? How do you want me to share it if it's just for you alone for a while? Because how many times did Yeshua tell the people, don't go tell anybody what I just did? And what did they do? To where he couldn't openly come into town anymore. He had to come in the back ways, if you will, or he had to stay outside the cities. But he wants to reveal things to us. He always has, and that's... I mean, how many of us have exhausted this yet? I mean, when we begin to see a truth and we begin to dig for it, dig it, study it out, and we... You got a vein, it's kind of like the mother load. You see a vein in a rock of gold and you start chipping away and pretty soon it just opens up to a, a mine. But you got to chip away at it and allow God to begin to reveal things to you. And he'll do it at the right time. But he says here, it's for the upright. Adonai curses in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Now, I would venture to guess everybody here wants to be blessed. Anybody here that don't want to be blessed? I mean, even witch doctors want to be blessed. That's why they do what they do. They're thinking they're going to get blessed. But there's only one true blessing, and it comes from God himself. It's not what they conjure up or what, uh, you know, witches, or witches and those people try to conjure up. It's what God gives us. He is a true blessing. And I like I say, nobody, I've never met anybody that don't want to be blessed. The scornful, he scorns, but he gives grace to the humble. The wise win honor, but fools win shame. Once again, that honor. The question always comes down to what, what do you want? You want honor or you want folly? You want blessing or you want curse? Moses said, you know, today I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
choose life. He even gave them a hint as to what to choose. You know? If you're not sure, choose life. And we are to go and give life to others. That is part of our responsibility, giving life to others. Whatever that looks like, depending on the situation, wherever, you know, whatever our means is, whatever we can do, but we can always give life. Anybody here turn down a smile? When somebody smiles at you, do you snarl at them? Why are you smiling at me? A smile goes a long ways. Or just a simple hello. You know, here you get that a lot. You know, or wherever we go, you you just people will greet you. Where we're from in Colorado, that was that was anomaly to if somebody would greet you. They kind of just switched that way over the years. Just the busyness of life, because if we're not careful, we'll let busyness catch us up, and we'll lose sight of what what we really need to be doing. And next thing we know, we're feeling kind of stagnant or a little lethargic maybe wondering what's going on in our lives, check your relationship with Yahweh and see how it is. And just get back on track. Don't beat yourself up. You don't have to do that. Just repent, ask God, you know what, I want to draw closer to you. I want to be closer to you than I ever have before. Show me your ways. As Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, well, I'm going to tuck you in this rock and when my goodness passes by you, See, His glory and His goodness are synonymous. And He is a good God. His mercies are new each morning. His compassion never fails. His love endureth forever. His grace is sufficient. He lavished that upon us. How could we but not want to know Him more? As Paul said, I want to know Him more. I want to know Him more. And I pray that for all of us here, that we want to know Him more individually and corporately it's both it's not one or the other it's both to see God working each other's lives is an awesome thing I like to sit back and watch God work in people's lives that's my favorite hobby is just to see how God is working in your lives how he is taken well I'll be nice here a rag and turned it into a, a, a cloth that can shine the best cars. How he can take us from that old man, that old way of life, and bring us to become that new man in him and to become a new man together. No male, no female, no barbarian, no barbarian, no skittying, no slave, no free man, but all one, one new man in him. And that day's coming. Amen. Thank you. I hope you guys appreciated my teaching tonight. It's good to get some of that wisdom from a man who's walked many miles in the faith and done many things. He and Edith have uh, traveled and led congregations and experienced many different cultures and, and uh, walks. And so it's awesome to get up here and just hear what he has to say and from, the, from Proverbs 3 especially. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, for your willingness to do it, especially with your, your fall and everything. So, well, guys... Uh, Remember, a quiet time is at 9.30. Yeah, Edith, did you want to? I wanted to share something. Yeah, go for it, go for it. Can I know? Yeah. Okay. Just like Mike said, I appreciate you all 
you've helped us in so many ways, and we thank you. You make phone call and keep <laughs> yeah. And while Mike was in the hospital, I got to do my favorite thing. I went out to talk to doctors and people in the hallways about Jesus, and I was able to evangelize in the hospital. And um, I met Mike in jail, which is an interesting story. I go to work. Some of you have it, you can pass it around, but um, we've been married 20 years, it's been wonderful. We um, appreciate you. We did Sukkot in Colorado, so this is probably about our fourth Sukkot. We looked for you last year, we couldn't find you. We appreciate you, and uh, I'd like to share a little about Mike in 2016. He wasn't feeling well, and um, he went to the hospital and um, they opened him up and he had a 22-pound knot malignant cancer uh, tumor on his right lung. So he has no right lung and his 22-pound knot uh, malignant tumor came off. So he's walking around as a miracle using me today. Mike does a teaching on YouTube if you're interested. It's called uh, Rabbi's Garden and uh, we're glad to be here. Glad to have you guys. Uh, Todd or Joanne, do you guys have anything? No. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for this. Has been an awesome Sukkot so far. How many of you guys enjoyed it? Yay. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, you know, there's a lot of learning it comes with coming to a new place and setting up, every, you know, a new facility like this. And um, but Todd and Joanne have been so gracious. And let's just make sure we uh, we leave it the way we found it, maybe better than how we found it. But um, you guys are an awesome family to be celebrating Sukkot with, and it's been it's been a great year so far so um let's close in prayer and then we'll just have time around fire get some more food hang out and then i'm going to go uh retreat to my hammock here in a little while so don't keep me awake <laughs> i get grumpy all right abba father thank you so much for mike and edith and just their willingness in a time of uh of of a health crisis they're willing to to sit and dispense wisdom from your word, Father. And I just pray a special blessing over Mike and Edith right now in their household and that you would just open up, continue to open up doors for him and his, his career and his ability to share the gospel with those around him. And we thank you so much for the wisdom that he has to offer with all of us. And uh, Father, we just pray your continued protection on everyone as we close out Sukkot, as Sukkot is winding down. We thank you so much for the season where you just commanded us to get together and to rejoice and to dwell together and in your presence. May you shape us into the people that you want to spend eternity with. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Good night, guys. Good night. Have fun.